0: love remains all the way and this actually makes a lot of spiritual sense when we operate in our gifts and every joint supplies what only that joint can bring the other joints receive what that joint supplies and we will have this beautiful exchange that causes everyone to mature in Christ and in love for him and for one another the most selfish thing a Christian can do is to come to church and not give what God has put in their life because the person next to you this next step to growing in perfection might be locked up in the gift that you carry hello and welcome to the love key church podcast where we share our church's message of the week My name is Heinz Winkler and together with my wife, children and our leadership team, we host Love Key Church here in Somerset West, online and on this podcast. It is our mission to help you to encounter God, align with His purposes, reign in life and help others to do the same. We trust that you will find this message empowering, encouraging and inspiring. Please share it with your friends and family and write a review for us. And a huge thank you goes out to those who have already done so. May you be thoroughly blessed as you listen to this message. How was that time of worship? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. We are busy with a series, Light in the Darkness. It may become our longest series yet, because we are journeying through Corinthians. In this week, I told another pastor, in the West, we're doing a series on Corinthians. He started laughing. <laughs> it's like, that's a long one. I'm like, Yeah, it is pretty long, but it's so powerful. And um, I think, you know, I, I just sense that until we really get what it means to be light in the darkness, we, there's more to learn, there's more to grow, there's deeper to go. Amen? Yes. So we're doing a series called Lights in the Darkness, Journey Through Corinthians now, our title for today is Have I Love? And I know some of your grammatical things may go off, but it's, if you, when we read the scripture today, you'll see why I'm putting it that way. Um, but that's the question that we need to ask ourselves Do I have love? Do I have love according to what God says? And we're going to explore that today, and then I want us to choose to apply it to our lives. I'm going to do a quick recap. I just want to remind us all of our series scriptures, Isaiah 60, verse 1 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. I've asked this before. Can you see the deep darkness that covers the world right now? There's darkness everywhere, and it's creeping into every space of our lives. But this is the good news. The Lord will arise over you, and His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. You may say, yes, but that's about Israel. It's true, and it's about God's covenant with Abraham. But in the New Testament, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we know that those who are born of Christ are seeds of Abraham. So, the promises that we see for the people of God apply to those who are born again. Amen. Matthew 5 14, Jesus says to his disciples, You are the light of the world. Confirming what Isaiah said thousands of years before A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Are we giving light to all who are in our houses, in our workplace? in our helderberg area are we giving them lights that's the question let your light so shine before men why that they may see your good works and glorify your father not you your father in heaven awesome all right i'm going to i'm going to skim through the recap cuz this the message is quite long and i want to get to that we we did we started with 1 corinthians 1 And we spoke about influence, who's influencing whom, us influencing the world or the other way around. Then we spoke about what it means to judge and how we should understand godly judgment. Then we spoke about being sanctified and what that means. And then the fourth session was called crown. And we saw what kind of crown we should be running for in our lives and that we need to lay down any rights and preferences for the gospel. And we looked at um, a very challenging chapter 11, talking about the head. What is God's order for men and women and leadership in the church? And then we spoke about the gifts, the spiritual gifts in chapter 12. And then last week we had a great uh, time with, uh, with Picard and his team, talking about you know, how do we put faith in action and in, in, while being light in the darkness? And now we're getting into chapter 13 today. Many of you will know that chapter 13 is called the, the love chapter. Um, it's all about love and God's way. And, and I'm trusting Holy Spirit that today we will all have a deep revelation of what, his, what He means by love. And, and I want, even if you think, I've, I've been walking with God for a long time. I've heard this scripture before. I, I, I know. I want you to just take a moment and, and choose to be humble and teachable, because I believe God is going to show all of us something really powerful. Amen? So because this is all about love, I thought, okay, let's see what the world offers in terms of love, and I went to Google the biggest love song of all time, and what came up was Whitney Houston. How many of you know, Leon, you're not allowed to answer, how many of you know what? What kind of coordination is Whitney Houston's favorite kind of coordination? (laughs) Hand eye. They don't get it. Hand eye. (laughs) Hand eye coordination. All right. Anyway, I should have done that better. (laughs) I even showed my hand eye. Anyway. But when you read the lyrics of the song, when you read the lyrics of the song, the love that is described is of someone who is not with that person anymore. They are either broken up or divorced. And they say, I will always love you. Even though you're there and I'm here, I will always love you. And it sounds great. And apparently the world loves it. They connect with it. Do you know that Dolly Parton wrote that song? Imagine how many plastic surgeries that paid for. (laughs) But. Okay, settle down. (laughs) But imagine. So this is a woman singing the song. Now she's, she's always loving this other person. And we're like, we watch the movie. And we're like all emotional and thinking it's so beautiful. And. But what if you're the guy that she ends up with next, and you realize something is not lucky? And it's because she will always love this other guy. How will that make you feel, and what impact will that have on your relationship? And think of it: How do I love someone if I'm not with them, if I'm not in relationship? day by day, communicating, being there. Is that truly love? But that's what the world tells us love is. I can be away from you, never see you again, be with someone else, sleep with someone else, and say, I will always love you. And everyone goes, (sighs) why? Because we're an emotional-driven world. And the enemy has successfully made us to think, our emotions are more important than our spirit. So we run on that. How do you feel? Well, you know. <laughs> you guys heard this thing the kids do at school. Bra. Sounds like a, a, a frog. I also looked up the top, top love songs of all time. I read some of the lyrics and I, and I started thinking back on songs that I used to listen to at school. Stuff that we danced to. And some of those words, man, it's crazy. And what you pick up in all these songs, the top songs of all time, man, eh, is this, this always, love is always referring to romantic love. There are almost no popular songs about friendship, love, or any other kind of love. It's all about romantic love. And... Almost all of them refer to something quick, something in the moment. A lot of them is about tonight on E, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> it's all about tonight. It's about, the, it's about the passion moments. It's about the, the here and now, because tomorrow may not come. And, and that ends up being the whole thing. And a lot of it's about breakups, about feelings. A lot of it is so, if you you know anything about psychology, in the lyrics, there's so much unhealthy, dysfunctional codependency. I can't live without you. I need you now, here, tonight, la, la, la. It's all that kind of stuff. It's like, if you really get into it, if you don't listen to the music that gives a vibe and the beat and whatever, you start listening to what they're really saying. It's like, whoa, this is really bad. And there you are know, lots of obsession with other people, lots of feeling alone, not feeling whole, and a need to be accepted is spoken about in many of these songs. What are people actually saying with these songs? I'm looking for love. And I think, I think I found it in you. But then, No. So it's not that, it's not that, it's not that. You see, the broad meaning the world has given to the word love is what most people now think love is. But the truth of the matter is that the way the world describes love, it should actually be changed with the word lust or fantasy or crush or being in love, which are all emotions and they are all temporary emotions they are all momentary emotions but the world wants to tell us this is love they even have a show called love island which has nothing to do with love most of the lyrics and accompanying music videos imply and underscore the narrative as well in general that men are just lustful dogs chasing after scantily clad women, and both want something quick and easy, and it's only for tonight. (laughs) That's what all these songs focus on. They they portray men as these mindless beasts, and women as, as some kind of prize. And it's horrible. And the weird, crazy irony of the world is that some of these female artists that play into that narrative are supposedly these feminist fighters for rights of women. While they are shaking everything their mom gave them into the camera for men, they are trying to convince the world I'm a feminist. Really? And since many of you are Afrikaans in this church and you thought I'm not going to talk about Afrikaans music, I need to bring this up as well. What we listen to In the background is what we meditate on. I'm not saying there aren't songs that are great and okay and acceptable. They are, absolutely. But let's be honest. There are many songs that when you listen to it, you go, ooh, stout, lekker. And that's fun and funny, and we have those moments. But when I say I'm a born-again child of God, I have to ask myself, How does that look different than the other people in the world that just blindly follows the lyrics, the values that are being portrayed in these songs? I mean, just take a moment and listen to what you're listening to. Listen to what your kids are listening to. Listen to what you're singing along to, because what you, remember what Andre taught us, what you meditate will manifest. Your meditation will become your manifestation. Some of us... Or have open doors in our lives with music in our homes, and then we lie awake at night with thoughts. We think, hmm, where does that come from? I'm a Christian. Why do I think this? What are you listening to? What are you listening to more? I'm not here to spoil your fun, but I am here to ask the question, what is mostly feeding us? The word of God, the presence of God, the love of God, or the world and its mandates and its uh, narrative. Do not be fooled. Do not be, um, like, deceived by what the enemy is doing. He is called the prince of the power of the air. He rules the airwaves. That's what the Bible calls him. He is also called, he's uh, someone who's walking around like a roaring lion, looking for those to devour, to kill, steal, and destroy and he will use whatever means necessary. He will even have you go to church as long as you're not effective. He will have you go to church as long as you're not baptized. He will have you go to church as long as you don't listen and apply what is written in the word of God. Cool, go to church. I don't mind because you are useless in the kingdom of God. I know this is hard. And I know some of you are going, Ooh, I'm not coming back. That's okay. I want to listen to my songs, you know. I want to watch my stories. Cool. But don't be surprised when you find yourself in a hole over and over again. Don't be surprised when you find yourself struggling with thoughts and emotions and darkness that you don't know where it comes from. Because some of us have open doors. Go and choose wisely what you listen to. Have your party, have your fun. Absolutely, God has came, he came to give us life and life in abundance. But we have to have a line. And we have, to, we have to decide that line. If you are married, if you have a family, you go with your wife. Okay, what is our line? What is our boundary? What do we, let's see what we have in our home that's playing over and over again. And let's see if that's really who we are in Christ. Because what, what you allow in your house is what your children are accepting. Don't do what I do, do what I say. Doesn't work that way. <laughs> the, the, yeah, I've now gone again ahead of me. <laughs> but the enemy, as I said, is the prince of the power and air. And can you, I just had this picture as I was preparing that he must be laughing. He must be laughing hard at billions of people around the world, blindly bouncing up and down, swaying shaking everything their mom gave them in a bar up against a stranger while getting drunk and high. He's like, ha gotcha. And he's especially laughing at the Christians who are in the same place, doing the same thing. But Sunday, I'm at church. He laughs the hardest at them. I used to be one of them. I felt like a fool when I realized, Suck, fool, when I realized, what am I doing? I say one thing, but I do another. He got me. I'm not going to fall for it again. Do not be deceived. You know what the power of a lie is? You don't know you're being lied to until you get the revelation. Up until the point you realize it's a lie, it's a lie. Until you discover it's a lie, you go, no, wait, uh, uh," and you replace it with the truth. Let's not be fooled by the prince of the power of the air. Let's not be fooled by him masquerading as people that are friendly and wanting to pull us into things. Let not your insecurities be the thing that drives you to go to places, do things that you know is not who God called you to be. If you feel insecure, spend more time with God. If you feel insecure, go to Sozo. If you feel insecure, join the connect group. Don't go to a place where you think your flesh will get fed. Your flesh will get fed for a moment. Tomorrow you wake up and it's like, feel crap again. Yes, I said crap, because that's the way you feel. And sometimes I listen to the lyrics of songs my kids are listening to that's now, you know, the cool thing to listen to for them. And in my spirit I go, oh my word. And I can, I can as a musician, I can, I can enjoy the great quality of the music the instrumentation, the arrangement, it's awesome. So well done. Probably spent million dollars on it. But the message, the lyrics, the thing that my children are now meditating on, it, it makes me go, oh man, okay, how do I handle this? And I've, I've had my moments where I handled it wrong. And I said, don't listen to that. Shall I get on my dark black? I don't want to be that father. So what I've tried sometimes is to say, okay, guys, what is what are they singing about? And, and then you analyze, you make them ask the question, what are they singing about? What are they trying to say? I don't know. And then they get to the point, where, okay. And sometimes when you say those lyrics out loud yourself, there's this shame and this guilt that goes over you. Why? Because it's not who you are. And then you go, oh. And and you say, okay, so how does that line up with the word of God? Does that feed your, does it feed your spirit? No. Does it feed your body? Yes. Is that good or bad? No, it's not good. Okay. So what are we going to choose to listen to rather? It's a choice every time. Amen. Woo, like a ongemakkelijk. Why am I talking about so-called love song lyrics? Because we are talking about 1 Corinthians 13, and our theme is love, God's kind of love. But in order to hear, for us to hear what Paul is trying to communicate, teach to the Corinthians, and thereby what we should learn and apply, we need to recognize and renounce what the world has been trying to tell us what love is. Today is a day where love is redefined. I love ice cream. No, you don't. You like ice cream. I love my car. No, you don't. You like your car. We're going to redefine it. And we're going to choose to put a a guard in front of our mouths and be careful when we use the word. Amen? And a big part of what Paul does in this chapter is he tells them what love is not. And we need to actually realize what it is not. Many definitions work that way. And the big question for all of us today is, have I love? Do I have this love that God speaks about in me? Is it part of who I am? And if I think or believe I do have love, what does that look like practically in my life? Does it, I mean, how many of you guys have been in a relationship before where the person says, I love you. And then everything else they do and say doesn't show that. And shortly you go, mm, no, you don't. <laughs> Anyone? You, yeah? So, and it's the same with our relationship with God. I love Jesus. Okay? What does that look like? I love my, I love my neighbor. I hate my enemy, but I love my neighbor. What did the little toe say? How many of you guys have been at a wedding? where the main scripture or at least one of the scriptures was 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 7. Anyone? Is your arms Help me. All right. Many people refer to this chapter as the love chapter. And when you read verses 4 to 7 in isolation, it's understandable because it applies. And, but Paul is not actually talking to a bride and groom. He's addressing the church, which I know is the bride of Christ, absolutely. So in that sense, yes. But he's not writing a letter to Yanni and Sunny. We saw in chapter 12, it ended with an exciting cliffhanger. Paul just told us about these 13 gifts. He said that we all have it, one or more and we can operate in them, and it's there for the edification of the body of Christ. There's many members, one body, and all of us have a goal. And, he, and at the end, he says, but there's still a more excellent way. And then he comes into chapter 13. So chapter 13, when we see it in context, he is actually telling us what the more excellent way of using the spiritual gifts is. All right? So we need to read this in context of the whole letter, and we need to understand that he's about to show us this more excellent way. That it is not, that's not to say that these verses cannot be used at a wedding. I'm not saying don't use it at a wedding or think, oh, what, is, what does this pastor know when he uses it? I'm not saying that. It can be used. But I want us to know that it is not written primarily for people who are getting married. It's written for the church. It's written for us on how to love one another. You understand that? All right. So let us read together. 1 Corinthians 13 from verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. Have I love? Have not love. I have become a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. In these powerful statements, Paul brings in some of the spiritual gifts he has just discussed. Prophecy, faith, all those Remember, uh, words, uh, words of knowledge. He started out this letter by telling them how well they're doing. Remember that? I reminded you of the, uh, that he's the inventor of the compliment sandwich. He started by saying, hey guys, you're doing so well with the spiritual gifts. Okay, So he started out by t- telling them, you're doing good in this area. So they had no lack of gifts flowing. He actually says all the gifts are operating in this church. But we see that they were lacking in love. While operating in the gifts, remember how Picard also reminded us that it doesn't help to evangelize if we don't actually love the people standing in front of us. Evangelism has to be driven by a love for God and a love for people. Now, the first thing he speaks of is speaking in tongues of men or angels. The New Living Translation, it's not there, he put it this way. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Most biblical scholars agree that this is a hypothetical and hyperbolic statement, uh, that the ability to speak the known languages of the world, and even if you were able to speak the language of angels, but you don't have love, that you are making a noise. So, put in a more simple way, they are, they are saying that this is not referring to spiritual gifts. It's just referring to speaking. If you just speak any language or you speak an angelic language, which, what does that mean? It just means even if your speech was so high and lofty that it was heavenly, if you do it without love, then you're a noisy gong. This could be true. And I'm not a theologian, so I'm not going to say they are wrong. But I do believe there's another way to interpret this first line. He said, um, because he doesn't, before prophecy he says, though um, though I have the gift of speaking and of prophecy. But before this he just says, though I speak. So they could be right. I'm not saying it's not an option. But I think... Um, that from the context of the letter, and especially chapter 12, you could also, this could also refer to speaking in tongues. Amen? And I think a lot of Christians think this does refer to that. So am I speaking in tongues for the edification of of the church out of a place of love or not? All right. Also, the other reason I think it could be that is because he continues with gifts of the Spirit. Anyway, it's just a little interesting side note. Then he says, if I have the gift of prophecy, knowledge, and faith, but I operate in it without being driven by love, I am am nothing. Do you hear that? I am nothing if I prophesy, have faith, and knowledge, but without love. So if you take the love out, my identity is nothing. I looked at the Greek word for nothing here, and do you know what it says? Nothing. Nothing. When the gifts operate in my life, when these gifts operate in my life, but it's not backed up by real agape, which is unconditional, sacrificial, and serving love for the person or people in front of me, I am nothing. Which, what does that mean? It means I'm not effective for the purposes of the kingdom. What I'm doing has no eternal value or impact. And I'm wasting my time. That's what it's saying. Have you ever seen anyone operate in a gift? Like, they're up there, they're doing their thing, or they're speaking to you, and in, a way, and in their, just their way, you pick up that this is not coming out of a place of love. They're actually just trying to be something and have everyone look at them. Have you ever noticed that? All right, It's easy to point the finger at someone who does that. But we all need to ask that question about ourselves. Why do I do the things I do? Uh, and why do I operate in the gifts that God has given me? Is the reason really love? And in verse 3, he says, If I give all I have to the poor, all I have, and give my body up to be burnt, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Interesting. So, I'm either a noisy symbol, nothing, or what I do profits me nothing. So language without love is noisy. Prophecy, knowledge, and faith without love makes me nothing, makes me to have no heavenly value. And giving to, feeding the poor, and letting yourself suffer for others without love will profit you nothing. What does that last one mean, do you think? Have you ever read it that way? Like, why would it? Why would I give? Why would I die? Why would I for others in order to profit? I had the same question. It sounds weirdly selfish, but then I, I just I prayed and I asked the Holy Spirit, and I, th- I felt the Holy Spirit take me to this verse in Luke chapter six, verse thirty-eight: "Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure." pressed down shaken together running over will be put into your bosom for the same measure that you use it will be measured back to you give and it will be given to you give to the poor give give up my body sacrifice for someone else give and it will be given to you it's from the well-known beatitudes of jesus now just before jesus spoke this He spoke about loving your enemies, and He spoke about love in general and what it really means. How many of you have a tough time loving your enemies? How many of you have a tough time just loving a normal person right next to you? Can you see how far we have to go? All right. I want you to focus on this for a moment. So he has already established that we need to love people. He's established that we need to love our enemies. Now he gives an instruction to give, coupled with a promise that it will be given to you according to the measure that you give, which is a kingdom principle. Yes, this verse has been misused. Absolutely. But if we read this with the context of 1 Corinthians 13, we see that what Jesus is actually saying And what I believe the Holy Spirit is revealing to us is that you can give to the poor, you can sacrifice, do all kinds of stuff, but if it's not really from a place of love, then you don't activate the promise of give and it will be given to you. Can you see that? So when we give and we do, but it's without love, in other words, it's selfish, it's prideful it's for my own I'm trying to set my own gain up why do many people give so that others will see what they're doing how many of you how many how many of you seen people do a good deed with a selfie (laughs) feeding the poor like hashtag so (laughs) it's good when it's raising more funds to do this I'm not yeah I know but the point is does it really come from a place of love Because the promise, give and it will be given to you, only kicks in when you really love someone and that's why you're doing it. All right. I thought that was quite a profound revelation from the Holy Spirit. We thank God for that. Now, the famous bit. 1 Corinthians 13 from verse 4. Let's read together. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. I'm just going to pause there for a moment. (laughs) Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That was the New King James. I'm going to read you the New Living Translation. It's not on the screen. Just listen. Listen. New Living Translation says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record. I'm talking to myself. Yeah. And it keeps no record. Listen to this. It keeps no record. Of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. All right, now, Paul, in essence, gives us two lists. One, he says what love is. And another, he says, what love is not. Have I love? Let's find out. Are you ready to play the game? Have I love? (laughs) On list number one, we have love is. Are you ready, players? Let's see how you do. (laughs) Love is patient. And most of us already go, "Eh." (laughs) love is patient. The old English word is much worse, long suffering. I will suffer long because I love. Love is patient. Love is kind. What is that also? Fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5 verse 22. It rejoices in truth. How many of you know it's really hard nowadays to know what is true and what's not? Thank God we have the Bible, which is the truth. We rejoice over the truth. It bears all things, also meaning never gives up, believes all things. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that you believe all kinds of religions. Obviously not. It says that you believe the best about the other person and that you will not lose faith in them and what is possible for them it hopes all things it remains hopeful amen and and he just puts the same thing in another way again like it's really important endures all things bears all things endures all things there is a tenacity to love what is love not Love is not jealous or envious. It is not proud. Have you heard of the pride movement? What is their slogan? Love is love. And they use that along with the rainbow to mislead people. They call themselves proud and they say love is love. Love is not proud. It's not boastful. It's not rude. It's not self seeking. It's not selfish. Doesn't provoke easily, which means doesn't get irritated. Thinks no evil. Doesn't keep record of wrong. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. It's gone very quiet. One can see why these few verses are used at wedding ceremonies, because most people, when they get married, want a spouse that love this way. How many of you want to be married to that person? How many of you know that it should go both ways? How many people get married going, I want someone like that. And then the other one's also doing that. I want someone like that as well. Let's see how this goes. Uh, What the? (laughs) And this is a great standard of love for a marriage. Yes. But it is aimed at everyone in the church in terms of how we treat one another. So take the list of what love is what it is not, and think, how am I doing in terms of how I'm loving my wife, my children, my community, people in my connect group, people at work? Do I do these things? It is not just for your spouse, but it should be at least happening with your spouse. (laughs) This will save some marriages. But let it not just be for that. The bar is so much higher. And the love of God in us is for so much more than just those who are closest to us. In the scripture I mentioned earlier from Luke 6, Jesus speaks about loving our enemies and saying how even unbelievers love the people close to them. That's not this near pristarsini. I love means you love me. Wow, well done. Even the Gentiles do that. Jesus is saying, here's my standard, love your enemy. Wow, how do I do that? Get born again. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because it takes supernatural strength to love that way. If you're struggling, then you're either not born again, or you're not filled with the Holy Spirit in terms of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or you have not chosen to love this way. If you have everything you need to love this way and you are not, then it could be that you are still very much influenced by the world or you just haven't spent enough time with God for that revelation to drop so that you live from that place. Okay. Do you want me to go through the list again? I think, I think we all feel a little bit, whew, okay. That's, but that's one of the things. I want you to take this scripture in this week and I'm going to keep the, the uh, connect groups accountable, especially. especially those connect groups that don't read my notes. <laughs> I'll keep you accountable as well. I want everybody to read that list again and to go, all right, Lord Jesus, show me where can I do better? Write them down. Pray about it and say, okay, Lord, I'm born again. I'm filled with your spirit. So by your might, I can do this. If something is holding you back, go for Sozo. If something is, if you're struggling to do it this way, because this is, this is the standard. So whatever is keeping us from the standard, we need to deal with. Amen? I, I, I can't do it for you. I really can't. My job is to tell you the truth of the Word of God. Your part is to go and actually do it. Otherwise, nothing will change. Do not let me or any other person become a spiritual crutch to you. The great news about God and what Jesus did is that he gave us access, unfettered, unblocked access to the Father. It's for every believer. If you go and sit with the Father, read his word, ask Holy Spirit to lead you, you will experience him. And if you're not, then ask for help. But we are not God. We are here to point you to Him, and we will help and guide. But if you don't apply what we teach you, then you will stay stuck. Amen? All right. So, that's homework. 1 Corinthians 4 to 7. Go through it. Write it down. Get uncomfortable. All right. That's how we grow. All right. Let's move on. 1 Corinthians 13 from verse 8. Love never fails. But whatever, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I understood like a child. I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide, faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Who knows what this means? Great. That's why we're here. All right. So I I sat with this and I've sat with this before and I was completely intimidated by this piece of scripture because it's a lot, it's huge. And I ask Holy Spirit, please tell me, what is Paul talking about? Because there's a highlighted bit here that says, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So everything that we read here, everything about gifts, everything about love, it kind of hinges on this perfect thing that comes. Can you see that? So what is the perfect thing? Before we get there, I'm going to read something to you that I've read before many times in this church, but it's also one of those pieces of scripture that's so rich, we can never meditate on it enough. Ephesians 4 from verse 11. Um, I didn't put that up. Just listen, please. Ephesians 4 from verse 11. talks about the gifts, the fivefold ministry. You've heard of the fivefold ministry. This is part of the spiritual gifts, okay? So, and he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why did he give them? For the equipping of the saints, which are all of us. Equipping of the saints for what? He gave these people to equip the saints for what? The work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till time will pass. Then there's a moment until or till we all come. To the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why? That we no longer be children. When I was a man, when I was a child, I understood like a child. I thought like a child. So that we will no longer be children. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. What are we talking about? The world is trying to teach us one thing. But when we are mature in Christ, we cannot be tossed to and fro. And we cannot be tossed to and fro with false doctrines either. In the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body is. The whole body, all of us, are joined and knit together by what? By what every one of us, every joint, supplies. What knits us together? Everybody operating in their gift. G- bringing it and serving. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. It cannot work perfectly if everyone doesn't do their share. Because it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Yo, guys, this is big. Okay, church family, I need you to focus. Love never fails, writes Paul. God's brand of agape love never fails. It never ends. Remember, God is love. So, and he's the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. We've t- talked about that in Sons of God this last week. He's the first, he's the last, he's the alpha, he's the omega. If he is love, then love has no end. His brand of love. Remember, we have to unlearn what we think love is, and we have to go, what is love according to God? That love lasts forever. It can never end. He is the I am. Therefore, his love never fails. Can we establish that? Can we agree on that? All right. Now, we are taught here that the gifts are temporary and they will fail. They will cease. They will stop and they will come to nothing. Strong language about the gifts we just learned about. Thanks, Paul. You tell us about these gifts and then you say they will end. But when? He says they are partial. They are fragmented. They're not the whole picture. The gifts are not the point. Remember, the Corinthians were focused on the gifts, not the giver. They were focused on performing them, taking pride in them, not focusing on the point. What is the point of the gifts? To bring people to Jesus, but not leave them there to help them to move from being a child in Christ to maturing in Christ. All right? But when that which is perfect comes, he says, it changes. So what is that? What does that mean? It is such an important question. And I researched it, I read up about it. I wanted to see what the people who have studied this say about it. Because everything we read in chapter 12, chapter 13, and what is coming in chapter 14 hinges on this. Because there's a time period where we have to operate in these gifts, but then there's a time that comes where we won't. When is that time? There are three main viewpoints. And these people do not agree with each other. So one viewpoint is that Paul is talking about when we are in heaven. In other words, the second coming has happened. We are there in heaven with Jesus. So there's no need for the gift. Another one is more about when Jesus returns for his bride. So there's Jesus coming to fetch us. And then there's the second coming of Christ. So some believe he's referring to when Jesus comes, which you can say, because when the when that which is perfect comes. It's one interpretation. Then a third one is people that believe that Paul was referring to when the Bible would be finished. Written complete. In other words, when the Canaan of the Bible, the 66 books were complete. That is what Paul was referring to. So, but they then jump from there to saying, that is why the gifts don't operate today and why we don't see any miracles. Because Paul said, when the Bible is finished, that will cease. How many of you saw miracles last weekend? <laughs> I did, but I've seen many others. You will never convince me that signs and wonders have ended. There is not a period at the end of the book of Acts. So, even though option one and two are believed by many, and I can understand why, I believe that God wants to show us another way to understand this. And I put an open invitation to anyone here who wants to challenge what I'm about to say, anyone online, because I know this might be a new idea. But I really feel like this is what the Holy Spirit has shown me. Something amazing, which is relevant to our church and every other church. Listen carefully. I believe that the perfection that he is talking about is reaching a point of spiritual maturity in Christ that is marked by true agape love. The perfect means we mature in Christ to a point where we are all on the level that we are called to. Then there won't be a need for the gift. The gifts are there to get us there. But there's a point where it's not necessary anymore. Amen? If we make the gifts the point, we will miss the process of maturing. The gifts are there to guide others into the kingdom of God. It is to get the lost saved, healed, and delivered. That's what the gifts are for. But not only that, it's to help us to grow in Jesus. Why? We read it just now in Ephesians 4. There's a point point of growing into a place of maturity and it's all connected with love. The fivefold and others in Corinthians 12, the gifts, are there for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry but there's an important word, till or until. Until something happens. What is that until? Until the, uh, the gifts have a time period connected. To there are many other scriptures that connect with this. Listen to this. Jesus is praying to the Father. He's saying, Lord, let them be one, the church, as you and I are one, so that they can be perfect. There's a perfection that can be reached. 1 John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because he is, so are we in this world. Galatians 3, 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now trying to be made perfect by the flesh? So Paul is referring to a process of becoming perfect, but he's saying to the Galatians, you started out so well in the spirit, but you are trying to finish in the flesh. But there is a standard of perfection. 1 Peter 5.10, But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after he have suffered a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. James 1.4, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Colossians 1.28. Him we preached, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that, there's a reason why we preach and warn, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. There's a goal. There's a mission. It doesn't end with speaking in tongues and praying for people and seeing people get healed guys we can come together every Sunday and complain and moan and pray for the same thing over and over and over and over again and never mature in Christ and reach this point of perfection and then the devil goes (laughs) gotcha we have to get this When we look at these verses together with the context of 1 Corinthians 13, I believe the truth we need to see here is, and to be convicted by, and choose to apply to our own lives, is that God's definition of love has a level of perfection that can be reached. But the process to grow into it is more important. Is also, sorry, the process of getting there is also important and is acknowledged. There's a process. So he's not saying get there now. He's saying there's a process, but he's saying there is a goal. There's a reason. There are steps in between, yes, but there will be a time when we won't need the gifts because we will all be perfectly mature in love. Yo, This is huge. Parents, how many of you know that you're not speaking to your child and helping them in the same way as a teenager or older than you were when they were a baby. What you do for them, with them, the way you speak to them, differs from when they were a baby to when they are even five, or 10, or 12, or a teenager. If it's still the same, we have a problem. But some of us are doing that spiritually. We want to come here. We want the pastor to go. Oh, my life is okay, is okay. Okay. I believe it's similar to what Paul is talking about. There's a period in a local church where the gifts are there to evangelize, to heal, to free, to train, to build up, to edify, and to help those in the church and those joining the church. But. Then there will come a time when the gifts no longer operate because they will no longer be needed because the believers are mature in love and therefore perfect in God's eyes. I believe Paul is giving the Corinthians and by us, by extension us, an ultimate goal to focus on. To love one another so well that our gifts are stirred to serve love, help set free those among us and those who join, but to know it won't be needed forever. Because in this process, we mature from being babies in Christ to fully mature men and women of God. If we don't have that goal before us, we can get stuck in a little I need, I want, my world rut. Love remains all the way. And this actually makes a lot of spiritual sense. When we operate in our gifts and every joint supplies what only that joint can bring. The other joints receive what that joint supplies and we will have this beautiful exchange that causes everyone to mature in Christ and in love for Him and for one another. The most selfish thing a Christian can do is to come to church and not give what God has put on their lives. Because the person next to you, their next step to growing in perfection might be locked up in the gift that you carry. Why are the churches of the world after 2,000 years not perfect yet? It's because we don't realize what God means by love, and we don't know there's a goal. We don't know this. Have you ever heard this before? I've never heard this before until the Holy Spirit told me. My mind is going like, what? But this is so exciting. We should therefore not see ourselves as spiritual hamsters running on a wheel that goes nowhere while sucking on stale milk we've been drinking for years. (laughs) Look at me, I'm running. Nowhere. We should know that there is an until moment that we can be expectant for. So, grow closer to God in order to grow in love for Him, which will in turn lead us to grow in love for one another. It comes back to the most basic of all Christian things. Spend time with God, spend time in His presence, read His word, praise Him, worship Him, love Him more so that His love can work through you more. How do I love my neighbor? With the love of God. What is the love of God? Agape love unconditional sacrificial serving if you stop loving or you get provoked or irritated then you are not loving unconditionally because your love has a condition when you irritate me or say something or do something I don't like I pull my love back that is not love it's something else but it's not God's brand of love And we need to realize that and we need to get a Holy Spirit conviction that will help us to put a God before our mouths and our emotions. Let's not be led by emotions. Let's be led by the Spirit of God, by the love of God in us for others. If we cannot love our spouse like this, how the heck are we going to love our enemies? Learn what your spiritual gifts are. I know some of you did not do that because you just come to church. Let's see what he has this week. Go and do the test. Find out your spiritual gift. Eh. If you have not done that test, please do it. It's not about the test. It's to help you realize what God has put on your life. Because you're a joint, and you supply something to this local body of Christ. I cannot be you, and you cannot be me. But I need you the same way you need me, and the people next to you. Every joint has something to supply. But that level of perfection that Paul speaks about to the Corinthians and in Ephesians, he wrote Ephesians about 10 years after Corinthians. So he has also matured in how he sees things. And he's showing us something so important. The more he spends time with the churches he planted, he sees this. He sees, wow, the more these people come and do what they're called to do, the more the church grows in maturity. The more I love Jesus, the more I will love my fellow man. The more I will go, yes, what can I do? How can I serve how can I bring my gift into this house? This church can change the Haldeberg. It can change the Western Cape. It can change the world, if we get this and if we run with this. When we know, if we operate in our gifts, lives will change. But lives will change and mature into love to a place where we don't have, to, we don't need the gifts. Imagine a church where people walk in the door and they go and they just. Everything changes because of how much they are loved. I don't even need to prophesy over you because the love of God has changed your life. Imagine that. That's how church should be. Woo! I'm excited. I did not know this. I thought, yes, we stop at the gifts. Okay, cool. Now let's operate and change people's lives. But why? And for what? Now we know. The question is, What are we gonna do about it? Are we gonna apply this? Is each and every one of us gonna apply this? I want us to stand and to respond to what God has taught us today. This is very important to take a moment to reflect and respond to the word of God. We need to say yes to the word of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to take a moment. Let's all just close our eyes and stand before our Maker. If you are here today and the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, you just feel like something changed, something is happening inside of here. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, maybe you've never made a decision. To say yes to Jesus, I want to give you all of who I am. If that's you today, I want to give an opportunity for you to come to Christ today, to give your life to Jesus. Would you please raise your hand so we can see. If that's you, please raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Anyone else? Come on. Brother, will you come to the front, please? Put up your hand. Someone will come and stand here with you. Let's give him a round of applause. Let's thank God for his life. Come to the front, please. I'd like to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today, and like me, when I read this, I realized, Lord, I have so far to go in terms of what love means. I have so far to go in what it means to be that perfect, mature man of God. Will you just make yourself vulnerable before God today and say, Lord. I can't do this on my own. I I need you. I need you, Lord. Lord, come and define what you mean by love anew, afresh in our hearts. Lord, we struggle just to apply this to the people closest to us. What not the, the enemies we have in our lives. We repent, Lord. We repent of being easily irritated we repent of being impatient we repent of being prideful and boastful and making it about us and our needs and our wants and we just say Lord forgive us wash us clean make us new help us Holy Spirit to love like you help us to reach out and to be sensitive to your spirit with words of knowledge words of wisdom prophecy support, faith, encouragement for others. Lord, I thank you so much for every person that is in this church and online, knowing that they are a special joint, supplying something unique to the body of Christ. And I pray right now that you will reveal to each one what that is. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you strengthen them to take the leap of faith, to walk it out. Even if they don't see the whole picture or the whole gift or whatever it might be. Because we see, we know, we only see in part now. We only prophesy in part. So we trust you who knows better. And we will step out by faith and say, Lord, help me. Guide me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you do want to give your life to Christ, that I see doesn't want to come forward, that's fine. Let us all pray that prayer together for salvation. Lord Jesus, today I choose to give my life to you. I recognize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And today I confess and I repent from my old ways. Thank you, Jesus for dying on a cross for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, that through your blood, I have access to the Father. I choose today to follow you, to lay down my old self, and to live for Jesus. I pray that in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Church, I love you so much. We have work to do, spiritual growth work, and I'm so excited about it. Please go and study this scripture in your own time. Talk about it at Connect. Talk about it with your friends. Let us grow. Let us us get this goal of perfection in Christ Jesus, where the love of God is so present in our midst that it changes lives. Amen? Amen? Amen. Cool. Have a wonderful Sunday. God bless you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Love Key Church Podcast message of the week. I trust that you had a life-changing encounter with God. It will help you to align with His purposes so that you can be one step closer to reigning in life. And may you be inspired to share this with others. Have a great week and remember to listen again next week or you can catch us live online or come visit us in person. May God bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you and your loved ones. God bless you. Bye-bye.